welcome to another life-changing message from Pastor Vernell J.R. Samuel of Hungry for God Church. For more information, please visit our website, www.h4gchurch.com. Let's give Jesus one more big round of applause. His presence is here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, this is the last Sunday in 2018. It's been an eventful year for, for, for most of us. I think it's been one of my best years yet. I don't know about you. It's one of my best years. <laughs> um, as discussed, we want to make 2019 even better. You know, the Bible says that the path of the just will get brighter and brighter until the coming of the full day. Those that are on the path of righteousness, the Bible says that your life will get brighter and brighter until the full day, until the coming of Christ. It's interesting because if you grew up around, or if you grew up around religious environments, when people talked about the last days, they always talked about how evil and dark the world will get. How many of you can relate? So it talked about how scary and how gloomy and doomy the world would get. But Proverbs 4, in the book of Proverbs, it says the path of the righteous will get brighter and brighter. So you know what that means? While it gets darker and darker for the world, for those that are in the light, it's going to get brighter and brighter. That the, the, glor the most glorious days of the church is not behind us, but ahead of us. We always say we want to go back to the, to the church of, of the book of Acts. But that was just the church in its infancy. The Bible says Christ is coming back for a bride. That's without spot, without wrinkle. He's coming back for a church. According to Isaiah 60, the Bible says we're going to arise and shine. For our light has come and the glory of the Lord is upon us. Look at somebody next to you and say, the glory is on me. Come on. The glory is on you. And that glory, the Bible says, while darkness covers the earth and gross darkness covers the people, what's going to happen to you? See, the light was only going to get brighter in the dark. The light is more evident where there's darkness. So if God is setting the stage for the manifestation and the appearance of you, whom the light is on, by the increasing darkness. So this is why you got to make sure you know where you stand and whose kingdom are you in. Are you in the kingdom of light or are you in the kingdom of darkness? And there is a quality. See, somebody turn off the lights real quick. Turn off the lights. Well, it ain't going to be completely bright, completely dark. But one thing is this. If you look back there, you see more darkness. Don't look at me. Look, look around. It's darker. And where there's darkness, you can't see clearly. Where there's darkness, you have, a, you have an increased tendency to bump into things, to hurt yourself, because you don't know where you're going. 
See? But when you're in the light, you can turn the light back on. You can see clearly. I can navigate my life better. So what God wants to do is he turned the light on in most of us, but we have to make sure that we keep our lights burning. You see, because the light, the type of light source that God gives us is a lamp. It's a lamp. You know the story of the, uh, the wise and the foolish virgins? And they had to keep their fire burning. See, the difference, we, we live in an age where you can flip the switch and the light comes on. But if you had a lamp stand, how do you keep that light on? You got to do some work, right? You got you to gotta make sure there's oil in the lamp. You got to make sure that it's lit. And once you keep the fire burning, if your oil starts running down, you got to go and get some more oil. That's what it looks like. More like that than a, light, uh, than a lamp, than a, a light switch. God needs you to make sure that the fire is still burning because that fire on the inside of you is the light that the world will see. If your fire dwindles, if your fire goes down, then you, don't, you look like darkness. So you got to keep the fire burning. Come on, look, find somebody else. Say, keep the fire burning. Keep your fire burning. Stay lit. You got to feed your flame. You got to feed your flame. That's what the word of God does. That's what being in worship does. That's what staying in prayer does. It keeps the fire burning on the inside of you. And once you leave that place of prayer, you leave that place of worship, you start feeling the fire dwindling. It's very simple. You, all you got to do is get back in where the fire is. God said, I am a consuming fire. You stay in his presence, you stay on fire. It's not hard. So 2019 is going to be a year of opulence. A year of brilliance for you. Come on, church. The Phoenix. <laughs> so we're going to end this year off. With, um, I mean, what we're going to start off this year, we're going to talk about, we're going to get our bodies right physically, our mind, body, and soul. Some of y'all need to get married next year or the year after. <laughs> and the web, what was that? Yeah? Stay right there. <laughs> I'll give you a word I got this morning about that. I'll give you this a bonus. The Bible says in John... <laughs> she didn't even wait for the revelation. <laughs> Seeding into her future. John 12, look at this real quick. John 12. I'm going to start there. <laughs> John 12, 23. And it, it, it just falls in alignment to 
even everything that God was saying in the worship and what's, what's happening right now in this hour. Um, John 12, 23. John 12, verse 23. And we're going to end off. I'm going to talk. I'm still talking about stewardship. This is where we're going to end. Um, verse 24. Most assuredly, watch this. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. The, the Lord said, you will remain alone until you learn to die. <laughs> that you're not ready for marriage until you learn how to die. Marriage is a death march. It's through marriage you enter in. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. How did Christ love the church? He died for the church. <laughs> you don't get into a relationship for what you're going to get from it. You get into a relationship for what you're going to give to it. You don't join up with somebody about what you're going to get from them. You enter into that relationship as to what you're going to give to them. That's what dying is all about. You're giving up your life for someone else worthy of your life. Unless you die, you remain alone. God will keep you from being with someone until you learn how to die first. Unless a seed or a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies. It remains alone. That's why Christ calls us to die. Right? Look at the next verse. He who loves his life will lose it. He who loves his own life will lose it. You don't keep your life by holding on to it. You find your life by giving it all away. So if you like yourself too much, you're not ready for love. <laughs> Did you catch that? You can like the seed or you can like the, the, the grain of wheat. But the Bible, the, 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 the glory of the seed is in the fruit, the harvest that's coming out of it. So you got to realize, see, vision gives sacrifice a purpose. Vision gives sacrifice a person. No one likes dying. But the reality is you cannot find your life, that the best of your life is on the other side of your death, 
of your sacrifice. When Jesus calls a man, he calls a man to die. Lay down your life and follow me. That's Christianity. But that's not what we hear today. So we're wondering why there's so many Christians who are unproductive, who are unfruitful, who are depressed, distressed, disgusted, and busted because they haven't understood that the glorious life in Christ we're talking about requires a crucifixion. That if I'm going to experience a resurrection, there must be a crucifixion. Everybody wants the resurrection, but no one wants the crucifixion. And if we're going to be good stewards, we have to understand that serving God, the owner, the Lord, serving him requires me to first understand that I got to put some of my priorities in place. I got to lay my life down or put my life to the side so that I can begin to discover the life that God already intended for me to live. But it's on the other side of my death. I got to die. Paul said, I die daily. I die daily. So what does it mean to die? Jesus, when Jesus went to the cross, I like to think about it like this. Jesus died on the cross. Again, vision gives sacrifice a purpose. Jesus didn't die wondering if he was going to get up again. <laughs> Jesus knew that on the other side of the crucifixion was a resurrection. So he gave up his life willingly. So what does that mean? In order for you to die, you have to trust. Jesus died trusting that the Father was going to raise him back up. So if you don't understand, if you're not faithful or you're not full of faith, if you don't know what God has promised you on the other side of your sacrifice, you, will be, you won't be willing to give it up. But if you know that if God says, I need you to let that relationship go, if you understand that God says, I need you to make this sacrifice in this area, God says, I need you to leave this job, God says, I need you to walk away from those people, God says, I'm telling you to sacrifice because on the other side of pain is great gain. Hallelujah. So I got to have a vision. Say, I got to have a vision. That's why God is telling us to dream again. That's why he's giving us vision in this season. Unless you learn to die, you're going to remain alone. You're not ready for love. You're not ready for a relationship. You're not ready for marriage until you first learned sacrifice and surrender to God. Trusting that if I give up my life for you, you're going to make something beautiful. You're going to release a harvest. Faithfulness produces fruitfulness. See, the Holy Spirit asked me a question this week. He says, what, what does stewardship mean to you? He asked me, what does stewardship mean to you? And I immediately began to think about, first, I started thinking about money. Then I started thinking about ministry. Then I started thinking about all of my responsibilities, right? Being a good steward of all that he's given me to be a good steward of. 
But then as I was just pondering on it, he told me, think a little bit more. Think a little bit more. And I realized that everything I have to be a steward of now, he gave it to me. So then I realized after he was asking me, I got to the, to the, to the, to the, uh, to the foundation of it all. I said, being a good steward is about me being faithful to you. Because at the end of the day, when all that stuff is taken away, I have to go back to him. So stewardship, in, in essence, begins with our faithfulness to God. Being faithful to God. Being faithful to God. Being loyal to God. Being dependable. Being trustworthy. Being reliable to God. I want to give you four principles today of stewardship. And as we step into 2019, I believe the mandate on our house is for us to increase, to multiply, to take dominion. And all those things are going to be possible when we take this art of stewardship seriously. There's an art to it. 1 Corinthians 4, Paul tells the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul, the apostle, tells the church in Corinth in verse 1, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found Faithful. Everybody say faithful. It is required in stewards that one be found faithful. God is looking for stewards. And for those of you that were not here, a steward is just simply another word for a manager. It's someone who is responsible for the property or the possessions of another person. And uh, we learned over the course of this month, the big idea that God does not call us owners. He calls us stewards. That you don't own anything in this world. Everything that you have, you are just simply a steward of. And there is a day coming in which you're going to be judged according to how well you stewarded what God gave you. The quality of your life it's going to be based on how well you steward what you have been given. There's a man I was watching the other day. He has no arms, no legs. Many of you guys probably saw him on TV. This guy is married. He surfs. He goes skiing. He's living his life. He got kids, I heard, right? <laughs> No arms, no legs. His name is Nick uh, Vujicic or something like that. Google him. He goes, now he's, he's just a motivational speaker. He goes all around the world. Married a wife of his dreams. No arms, no legs. <laughs> he is enjoying his life. 
his God-given life. It's an amazing story. And they ask him, how do you find the motivation to get up and live such a fulfilled life? He said, it's not what you have. It's not, it's not, it's not about what you don't have. It's about what you do have. In other words, and when I heard him say it, it made me think about stewardship. Many of us find reasons to complain about what we don't have. Stewardship is, I'm going to take what I do have, and I'm going to make the most of it. Imagine if you were born with no arms, born with no legs. Would you stay at home and complain all day? about how life isn't fair, how, why God did this to me. Some of y'all can't find your comb, and you complain. I can't comb my head today. Who took my comb? We'll find anything to complain about. And anytime you complain about something, you are at the same time not being appreciative for what you do have. The Bible says that if a man is going to be a steward of God, he must first be found faithful. So God is looking for stewards, but people, but if God is looking for stewards, he is first looking for faithful people. Look at somebody next to you say, are you faithful? Are you faithful? Are you faithful? Because when we start talking about stewardship, we're talking about personal responsibility. We're talking about character. And when you start talking about that stuff in the church, the amens get low. <laughs> Because we're not talking about charismata. We're not talking about the gifts of the Spirit here. We're talking about character. See, because this is the difference between grace and faith. Grace is what God does for you. Faith is what God does through you. Grace is what God does for you. Faith is what God does with you and what God does through you. And, and when we walk in faith, notice that you got to walk in faith. Grace is God picking you up and carrying you somewhere. Faith is I got to get up and walk to the store. Grace is God picking you up and you just end up in the store. Grace is amazing. Grace is good. We're, we, we, we are, our salvation is through grace. We're saved by grace. But the next part of grace is that we are saved by grace through faith. It is this, it is this partnership with, between what God does for us and then what we have to do with him and for him that makes salvation an amazing facet in our lives. That if we don't understand that there are some things that God would do for us and there are some things that God will not do for you. That God is not going to make you eat the right foods. You have to do that. 
God may wake you up to pray, but he's not going to pray for you. Are you seeing this? God will convict you if you spend your money wrong. But he's not going to make your purchases for you. So there is this, this, there is this interconnection, this partnership where you and God are co-laboring every single day. And that God is trying, God is helping you. He's with you. You are not alone. But it is up to you to begin to actually make the decision to live your life conscious of God, aware of God, mindful of God. And this is where I'm going to leave you with this thought. Write this down. The Holy Spirit said to me this morning, he said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of stewardship. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of stewardship. To be a good steward, you must first have a fear of God, a reverential awe, a reverential honor of God. If I understand what stewardship is, that I'm not an owner of anything, that God owns everything. Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Everything in the world belongs to who? Belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. If everything belongs to God and nothing belongs to me, nothing belongs to another man, if everything belongs to God, watch this, if everything belongs to him, that means time belongs to God. So I don't do what I want to do with my own time. That means time is holy. How I treat time is a holy thing. Because whatever belongs to God is holy. If money belongs to God, then money is a holy thing. Money is not evil. Money is holy. You see, the reason why most religious people are unproductive in the world is because we look at quote-unquote religious things and we call that the spiritual stuff. And then the things in the world, we call that the things of the world. But what if the things of the world are also the things of God? If it all belongs, the world and they that dwell therein all belongs to God. Time is holy. Money is holy. People are holy. The earth, the world you walk in, the planet, the ground you walk on is holy ground. Makes you think, it brings a fear of the Lord into your life, doesn't it? Because now I have to be conscious of how, what am I doing with my time today? Am I just going to Netflix and chill the whole day? Or am I going to do something God-honoring with my time? Right? My body is holy. What am I going to do with my body? Am I going to give it to any and everybody? The Bible says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. My body doesn't belong to me, it belongs to God. So my understanding is, if God is the owner of everything and everything is holy, then the fear of the Lord is the beginning of good stewardship. We learned a lot, we talked about the um, parable of the, um, 
talents. Turn me to Matthew 20, um, Matthew 25. Turn me to Matthew 25. I'm going to give you the first principle. Matthew 25. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole story because most of us know it or have heard it. But you can read it later. It's a parable of the, of the talents. But I want you to jump down with me. I'm gonna, we know about the good servants um, in verse 14. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his property, delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own abilities. And immediately he went on a journey. Fast forward, we see that the five, the person with the five did, he invested it. Jump down to verse um, 20, 20, verse 20. So he had received five talents, came, the person who received five talents came and brought five of the talents to the Lord, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more besides them. The Lord said, well done, good, and what? For a man to be a good steward, he must be faithful. Well done, good, and faithful, Servant, you were faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. How many of you want to be ruler over many things? All right. So the, those of you that are faithful over a few, God will make you a ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I want you to realize that there are levels of joy that we enter into in our walk with God. There's a joy you experience at the day of your salvation, and there's a joy that comes as you remain faithful to him. There are levels of joy that you haven't experienced yet, that God will reward you according to your faithfulness in due season. And there is a joy that's coming because you've been faithful. There's a joy that comes because you simply believed and there's a joy because you've become faithful. How many of you know that if that word means faithful, then that means you can have a faith in what you start, but then you got to fold that faith up. That faith increases. Faith grows. Faith develops. So you might have a, a faith that's small right now, but as you remain faithful to God through your obedience, through your sacrifice, to your putting your own agenda to the side, because that's what a good servant does. So you got to be a servant and a steward. A good servant has died to their own ambitions. A good servant says, I don't live for myself. I live to please the person who's, who calls me. A servant doesn't, is not concerned about their rights. I gave this example before. If you go to a restaurant and, you, and a waiter comes to serve your table, a good servant does not have an agenda for you. A good servant is there to take your orders. <laughs> A good servant isn't going to tell you to order something and you don't want to order it. A good servant has put their needs to the side. The problem with some of you is that you have your needs and you bring your needs to God. 
and you say, well, God, you didn't meet these things yet. So because you didn't meet me here, I'm not going to obey you here. Because you didn't satisfy my needs here, I don't feel like I should obey you here. I'm going to show you because that's exactly what happened with the unfaithful servant. Look at when we keep going. Jump down to verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, a difficult man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. I want you to think about that. Two things here. One, think about how he saw the Lord, how he saw the master. How you see God determines how you live. I saw you to be a difficult man, a hard man to please. And on top of that, you reap where you didn't do the work. So, because of that, I, and I was afraid, I went and I hid your talent in the ground. And look, there you have what's yours. Can you see the disrespect there? First and foremost, it wasn't your talent. It was my talent, right? And I gave you according to your ability. But this man was offended. You gave them five. You gave him two. You gave me one. And on top of that, you want me to do more with my one. I don't have as much as everyone else. So he was offended because he thought, well, they got better treatment. They had better treatment than him. I want you to see this. So because he felt like he was shortchanged, I'm not going to do what you asked me to do with your talent. Sometimes when we have we, 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 we take our offense and we think our offense is an excuse as to why we shouldn't obey God. Mm -mm. Because you didn't do this for me. Because I didn't get married when I thought I was going to get married. Because my business didn't take off the, the time I thought it was going to take off. Because things didn't work out the way I thought it was going to happen. I'm going to bury this talent you gave me. I'm not going to serve you. I'm not going to obey you. I'm not going to do what you called me to do. Unfaithful. So look at what he said. Verse 26. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. 
Therefore, take the talent from him and and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. This man was considered wicked and lazy. Watch this. And cast this unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He called them unprofitable. God does not want any unprofitable people in his kingdom. God did not create you to be unprofitable. God created you to be fruitful. He created you to multiply. He created you to have dominion. God is coming back for a people who has been given something and has learned how to increase it, has stewarded well. Being faithful is not just about showing up to church. Being faithful is not just about reading your Bible. Being faithful is not just showing up to prayer meeting, but being faithful is about taking what God has given you and increasing it. It's maximizing what you have. Even if you don't have no arms or legs, I'm still going to live my best life. Not for me, but for the God who called me. Because he called you to be faithful. And faithfulness is not maintenance. It's not giving back to God what he gave you. Faithfulness is not maintenance. It's multiplication. <laughs> so my, what is my goal? If we have 100 people in here today, by next year, we should see a multiplication of that. We are stewards of the mysteries of God. And to be a steward, you must be found faithful, full of faith. I'm going to show you one more verse that I'm going to give you. Sort of Matthew 24. Go, go to a chapter before that. See, stewardship requires us to grow up, become mature. It's about us thinking less about ourselves and more about the one who called us to him. Our pleasure and our enjoyment. God is, see, God, you're going to enjoy, you're going to get to enjoy your life. But the thing is, you, you can't worry about pleasing your life more than you worry about pleasing God. It sounds simple, but it's the truth. If you're going to please, if you're going to seek to, to please Yourself, or the best way to love yourself is to first love God more than you love yourself. So Jesus said, love God with all your heart. It's the first commandment with the promise. No, I'm sorry. This is the greatest commandment. Sorry. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your mind, all your strength. And then the second is equal. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So that means I got to love God more than I love myself. Then as I love God, God will straighten me out. And then I learn how to love other people properly. Then I learn how to love myself properly. Matthew 24, verse 42. This is why stewardship is important. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, 
that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says you don't know what hour the thief is going to try to come to break in. He could come today. The thief could try to come tomorrow. The thief might try to come on New Year's. The thief might try to come on January 2nd. You don't know what hour the thief is, is trying to break in. And what I look at, how I look at that is, because we don't know what hour, we should live every day on our game. We should live every day. See, the thief comes to steal. You don't know what hour that thief, that sickness, that disease might try to break in. You don't know. So if you keep eating whatever you want to eat, you don't know what day a man, something might manifest in your body. You see? You might think, well, I've been eating this all my life. Ain't nothing happened to me. <laughs> I've been eating pork all my life. Ain't nothing happened to me. <laughs> I've been eating fried chicken all my life. I don't know what's, <laughs> ain't nothing happened to me. See, that's grace. God in his grace, he's, he, he protects us. He spares us. But then when, it's, when he starts convicting you, he's saying, okay, I need you to change in this area. Because there's a thief that's coming to steal, that's trying to kill you, that's trying to destroy you. My grace was a hedge of protection for you for these few years, but there's an hour that's coming. You don't know when the thief is going to come. I've been spending my money however I want, but you don't know what the next, what, what the future holds. So stewardship says, I got to not only... I'm not only doing this for God, I'm doing this for my protection, for my safety. The thief would come, he would have, if you would have known, you would have watched and not allowed the house to be broken into. I really believe that for every believer, nothing just happens. Nothing catches you by surprise. You're just not watching. You didn't just end up in that relationship. You wasn't watching. God was convicting you. God was warning you. But you chose to do whatever you wanted to do. Stewardship. Be thankful. If you get caught up on trying to please yourself first, that's when it all goes downhill. Watch this. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you did not expect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Who is a faithful and wise servant? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. 
You see, I don't just think about the coming of the Lord as that one day thing, that one day when Jesus comes and we're all going to be rewarded. I think about it from an everyday thing. That the coming of his presence, God is always looking to reward us. He said he's a rewarder of those who diligently seeks us. So when you get a promotion in life, it's because God is rewarding you. He's coming and he looked over the works of your life, the works of your year and says, okay, you've been faithful in this area. So I'm going to bless you with a husband. I'm going to bless you with a wife. I'm going to bless you with a house. I'm going to bless you with a new car. You've been faithful to keep that car. You used to call it raggedy, but you changed your perspective and you said, I'm going to start taking care of this car. I'm going to make sure I wash it every week. I'm going to make sure I clean it. I'm going to make... I'm going to take care of what I have and I'm going to be faithful with what I have because if I'm faithful over a few then he can trust me to be faithful over much. And again, it's not just when he comes, because there's a reward then, but the Bible also shows that he will reward us now. That's worship. (laughs) This is faith. This is worship. And I want to be faithful. I want to be found faithful. The devil is looking for you to be unfaithful. Because that's how he gets to break into your house and starts taking and starts stealing and destroying some things because you have not been faithful. Whatever you fail to manage, the devil doesn't even have to do any damage. He just takes it all. (laughs) We're almost done. That was from the throne. I don't remember that. <laughs> or surely I say to you that he will make him ruler over all. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. My master is delaying his coming. He ain't coming right now. And begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. Live however they want to live. Eat whatever they want to eat hang out with whoever they want to hang out with, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, it's, it's not rocket science. But again, religion makes it seem like See, God is not hard to, it's not hard to please God. That wicked servant, all he had to do was try. If you would have did something, you would have been rewarded. But the fact that you thought I was a hard man to please, that's what religion creates. You make you, makes you think God is hard to please. So you don't want to take any risks. You want to play it safe all your life. You do nothing for God. God is saying, look at this wicked, unprofitable servant. That's why, I'll be honest, we invested in a business, right, as a church. Of course I want it to be successful, and of course I want it to be profitable, and it will be. But it's the fact that we did something what he gave us, that the Father is more pleased with. You see that? He, he wants to see his people stepping out on faith, 
taking risks, doing something with their life. Come on, anybody tired of, 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 of the same old, same old church? See, I'm telling you, the fullness of faith, our faithfulness is found in risk. It, it requires you to say, I'm going I'm to do more than what I had, what I have been given. I know faithfulness is not just about being loyal. It's, that's part of it. It's part of it. But it's about trying to give your best. Like, I'm married, so I don't want to just be loyal to my wife. I want to be loyal to her, but I also want to make her life better than when she came into my life. Right? Love says, I want to give the best. I want to give the best. And what it, whatever is my best, that's what I'm going to give. That's how you protect faithfulness. Once you stop doing your, once you stop doing least, once you start holding back, you stop being faithful. The wicked servant said, I'm not going to do my best. I'm going to bury this talent. He became lazy and wicked. He, become un, he became unfaithful. You find that you, 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 you keep yourself faithful to God when you every day you're striving to give your best to God. You got this? Say, I'm going to give my best to God. He deserves my best because he has given me his best. The best deserves the best. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Say, I want to be at my best and do my best every day. You see? And when we are around those that we know love us, we always want to give our best, don't we? I wrote this down. I said, love is displayed when someone gives their best to you, not their worst. Our love for God is displayed in the quality of the life we give back to him. It's living with a standard of excellence. It's challenging ourselves to live at our best every day. Are we living with integrity? Are we serving at our best? Are we shallow in our considerations of others? Are we managing money wisely or are we wasting it all? Are we building a great name for ourselves? Or do we have a bad reputation around town? Are we trustworthy? Are we reliable? Can people count on us? Can God count on us? Can you remain unmoved and unshaken when tempted to do otherwise? Can you continue to do the right thing when facing obstacles and challenges? Are you playing it safe and playing small? Or are you taking risks on the dreams God has given you? This is what being faithful is. And this is what God is looking for in this season, a faithful people. So here's the four principles of stewardship. 
And I want you to keep this in your heart. Write this down on your uh, vision boards or whatever else you got going into the new year with. Number one, the ownership principle. The ownership principle. That's basically what we said. God is the owner of everything. God owns everything. Genesis 2 verse 4 and Psalm 24 verse 1. In Genesis 2, the Bible says God created everything and he created man to work or to manage, to steward or to take care of what he created. He put everything in man's hands. And we were created for the effective and productive, profitable management of the created order. The primary motivation as to why God created mankind was to be managers or stewards of the earth he created. He created the world. He says, here, it's in your hand now. And I want you to take care of it. That's what we're here to do, steward the earth. Amen? Number two, the trust principle. Now that you know that God is the owner of everything, and you're not the owner, you must realize that God now gives us responsibilities. Well, let me not jump the gun here. But what God has given you, he has entrusted to you. The property, the resources that you have been entrusted with. So whatever you have in your possession right now, you have been trusted with it. I want you to think about that. And if you want God to trust you with more, you have to prove that you can be trusted with more. You have to prove that you can be trusted with more. So you will be entrusted or you have to be trusted before you are entrusted. You have to be trusted before you are entrusted. God needs to trust you and he gives you a few he gives you a little to manage. And if you can be faithful over managing the little that you have, then he can trust you with more. You might have a little influence. God will trust you with more influence if you can be faithful. You have a little bit of money. God will trust you with more money if you can be faithful with the little money that you have. Are you seeing this? Whatever you have is enough to prosper you if you can be faithful over it. But if you look at it as not enough and you be like that wicked servant, I ain't going to do nothing with it because God didn't give me as much as Ebony. God didn't give me as much as I do. He didn't give me a platform like Bianca. I don't get jealous over anybody anymore. I celebrate their faithful stewardship. That set me free from comparison. All I got to do is just be faithful over what I have. <laughs> <laughs> and in due season, he'll give me more. Number three, the responsibility principle. Ah, I don't have time. But re <laughs> the responsibility principle, everybody say responsibility. Responsibility is, the, is to wisely use what has been entrusted to you to gain a good return. To wisely use what, you, what has been entrusted to you to gain a good return. 
So if nothing belongs to us and God owns everything, we are responsible for how we treat what he has given us and what we do with it. I find that, that so many people are worried about their rights and not their responsibilities. It's entitlement spirit that's floating around in the land today. Owners have rights. Stewards have responsibilities. You start complaining about what's right and what, does, what belongs to you if you think it belongs to you. So God asks you to give $100 to somebody. It's hard to give away something you think you own. If it's not your money, if God says give it, give it away, it's not yours. <laughs> give it away. And I can do it if I trust that he has more to give and that he is a rewarder of, of those who are diligent and faithful to him. See, you can die when you know you trust the person who called you to die, knowing that he has a life that he wants to raise up in me that's on the other side of my obedience. I can walk with him. I can trust him. I can give my life away. Your entire journey right now is about you learning how to die, learning how to give up. And if you can do it quickly, it's less painful. The longer you take to die. <laughs> Listen, I don't see warfare around me. I, have, I know I have a lot more responsibilities than most people. And the warfare in my life, it seems to be the least than the, some people I know. But you know what it is? You can't kill a dead man. <laughs> he throws a fiery dart. I'm like, oh, you just hit me with something? My life is hidden in Christ. I'm hidden in him. So it even hit me, it hit him. It hit Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. I'm dead to sin, alive to God. You can't kill a dead man. I mean, you're going to waste his time trying to fight a dead man. He's going to fight you if you think you're still alive. <laughs> so my, look at somebody next to you say, die quickly. <laughs> you better get on that cross, get on that altar, say, Lord, kill me now. <laughs> There's a, a movie called Die Hard. Whatever's going to help you understand it. Die hard, die quick, whatever. Just die already. Isn't it true that the, the caterpillar has to die to become the butterfly? Literally puts off its old life and becomes a, a new creation. Hallelujah. You are seated with him in heavenly places, but you got to die to get there. You have been risen. 
You are a new creation. All things have passed away. So you got to turn from that thing, that old life, and put on the new. Step into your identity in him. Become who he says you are. The life you now live, you live in the faith of the Son of God. Not your faith, it's him. What he believes about you is what you believe about you. What he says about you is what you say about yourself. I don't have an opinion, I'm dead. <laughs> I can't move on my own, I'm dead. I don't live on my own accord, I'm a dead man. Once you accept the truth that God sees you as dead and that you are alive in him and you find your life through the son of God who died for you and gave you his inheritance, gave you his identity, gave you his nature, gave you his position, gave you his posture in heavenly places and begin to walk as such, believe as such, live as such. The devil don't got time for you. Come on, say, I'm dead, I'm dead. and I'm alive, I'm alive. in Christ. Woo. Come on, put off that old man. Put off that old nature. Come on, you will see the glory of God once you learn the art of dying to self. See, when you're dead, you don't, your emotions don't tell you what to do. You don't... <laughs> ah... Yeah, I got to stop. Your emotions don't tell you what to do. People can't get on your nerves when you're dead. <laughs> you don't got no nerves. <laughs> I want you to get it. When you realize how dead you are in him and you put on that new nature. Say, I'm putting on my new nature. I'm putting on my new clothes. I'm putting on my new wardrobe. I know who I am in Christ. Woo! That's where the freedom is. That's where the liberty is. That's where the deliverance is. I'm telling most of the stuff we try in church don't work because we're trying to counsel we're trying to counsel a part of us that's already dead. So we want people to talk to us about what we've been through. Christ is trying to tell you about who you now are because of what he went through. So we need to spend more time learning who we are now in him. Forget about, the Bible says, reckon yourselves dead. Yeah. Romans 6, consider yourselves dead. That means consider yourself, reckon yourself as dead. Then I got this new life on here. So it's like literally, it's the new man and the old man. Are we going to feed the old? Are we going to talk about the old? Are we going to start considering, well, if I'm dead to that, then this is who I can be over here. Hallelujah. This is who I can be over here. Unmoved, unshaken. 
unshaken, unstoppable. You can't reject me. I'm dead. <laughs> oh, man. Woo. Just free yourself today. Just free yourself. Just do something. Just, just, just shake. Just do something free. Do something freeing. Your sickness is in your own nature. Come on, that generational curse was in your old man. That's in the old. You got a new man on the inside of you that's waiting to come alive. And all God needs you to do is put to death that old mindset, that old, that old mindset, that old philosophy. I'm no longer who I once was. I've been born again. I'm a child of God. I am a son of the king. I'm a daughter of God. If God be for me, who can be against me? I'm surrounded by him. I'm surrounded by him. It may look like you're the same old person, but you are a new creation. All things have been passed away. You got to believe this. You got to be faithful to this state of mind. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ. See? <laughs> Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ. <laughs> There's no sickness in the new man. There's no dysfunction in the new man. There's no disorder in the new man. You are surrounded by Christ. Your life is hidden in him. Now you are a steward of this mystery. It's time for you to be faithful with it. I want you to raise your hands. Raise both hands up. I want you to say this to me. I am dead. I am dead. <laughs> say that one more time. Say, I am dead. I am dead. And I'm alive, alive. To, God. to God. The old man, the old man has, been has been buried when Christ went to hell. When and when he arose from the dead, he left me in, in the grave. And he gave me a new nature. He gave me a new identity. Hey! Woo! So! Ah! Come on. That curse is in the grave. Ah! That curse is in the grave. Poverty is in the grave. Ah! Cancer is in the grave. Diabetes is in the grave. Ah! Rebellion is in the grave. Disobedience is in the grave. Ah! you still believe some stuff about yourself that God doesn't even see in you because it's already in the grave. You got to put on this new nature. Put on this new mindset. Ah! I see my life hidden in him. I 
see my future. I see my destiny. It is bright. Woo! Oh! The Son of God is rising in you. He's about to explode on the scene in your life. The abilities in you, you didn't know you had. Ah, the talents in you, you didn't even know you had. The power in you, you didn't even know you had. The strength in you, you didn't know you had. As he put to death the old you. Ha! Ah, what they said about you is dead. Woo! The enemy tried to keep you in that prison. But the Lord says, I free you tonight. Now walk in the, in the liberty in which Christ has set you free. Come on. Be faithful today with your freedom. Be faithful in your identity. Woo. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you now. I'm, I'm telling you. Mm. Wow. The devil is afraid of this revelation. <laughs> because all his tricks and schemes and lies and scams... He ain't going to have anybody that he can throw at. He can't, he can, he's not going to be able to deceive you. Because this is the truth that sets you free. Woo. I said you had three. There was one more principle. <laughs> I said the first one is ownership. Second one is trust. The trust principle. The third principle is the responsibility principle. The fourth principle is the principle of accountability or the principle of reward. That if you can, can be faithful to what God has given you, if you can be trusted with more, if you can be responsible for what he has given you, then when he comes, he can reward you with more. It's a process. And it's a process that you're going to have to go through every day. But I really believe it's going to start with us choosing to accept our position in him. Choosing to stay in faith when everything else around us says otherwise. That's what being faithful is all about. Being persuaded that despite of what you see, being fully persuaded that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Father, thank you right now. I want you to lift up your hands one more time. I want you to pray and ask the Father, the Father of glory, to begin to give you a spirit of stewardship. Ask him to teach you how to be faithful. Ask the Lord to fill you with faith. Because faith comes from hearing and hearing his word. 
Say, God, fill me up with your faith so that I can be a good steward. I want to be trusted. I need you to develop me. Work on my heart. Develop my character. Help me to see who I already am in you. I don't want to be like that wicked servant who buried his talent because he thought that you owed him something. I'm not going to fight for my rights. I'm just going to simply learn how to steward my responsibilities well. And if I do it, you will reward me generously. Now, Father, come on, pray. Next 30 seconds, just pray. Pray from, the, from your heart. We come against everything now that will try to cause us to resist the death to self that's necessary to be faithful. Unless a grain of wheat dies, it remains alone. <laughs> but if it dies, it produces much grain. Come on, 15 seconds. Come on, pray into this. There's another level. There are other levels that's awaiting our stewardship, our faithfulness. Father God, I pray now that you would take hungry for God and that you will pour on us now the spirit of the fear of the Lord, but that is the beginning of wisdom. That's the beginning of stewardship. Let us live with a reverence and an awe, a spirit of excellence that's going to allow us to give our best for you every single day of our lives. God, help us, challenge us to be, to be, to be a, a, a people who will put our knees to the side, that we will abandon the idea of comfort, of self-pleasure, for comfort is the enemy to our greatness. God, you've called us to live great, powerful, and free lives. God, where our selfishness and pride was in the way, remove it now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yeah, somebody just asked the Lord, come on, some of you still need a death. There's a death that needs to take place in you. You've been holding on to things, to people, to places, to memories that she just needs to just die already. Let it go. Come on, death is your choice. You give up your life in order to find it. Hallelujah. Amen. Just hold that cord right there. Come on, I don't want you to treat this like another word. This is the word that's going to bring you into the depths of your destiny. Take some time right now to really realize how dead you are. Mm. 
Father God, have your way in us. We present ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. In our living. In our living. In our living. We will live aware of us of the sacrifice that you have made for us so that we can live our lives sacrificially to you. You deserve it. You deserve it. Oh, hallelujah. I just want this spirit to just fill your heart. I just want this grace to come upon you. See, because this is a heart thing right now. It's, it's not just lip service. It's a heart. It's a heart thing. Mm. God killed you so he can give you a new life. Will you take on that new life today? Or are you going to hide behind your insecurities? Are you going to hide behind the fear of the old? Or are you going to step in to the bravery of the new? Are you going to hold on to yesterday's hurt? Or are you going to choose to let that go and realize that there is no records of wrong in love? See, love is the new nature. Love is the new nature. Woo, somebody needs to repent right now. I feel that. Oh. What keeps you in the old is a fear of love. But once you put on the new, you sense and feel and receive the love that God has for you. Love lifted you. Love raised you up. Ha. It was love that gave you a new name. It was love that adopted you into the family of God. It was love that redeemed you. It was love that reconciled you back to God when you were far from Him, when you were alienated from Him, when you were separated from Him. It was love. Woo! <laughs> that gives you the best. Mm. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not easily, is not easily offended. See, when you die, then you can love. Because love is sacrifice. Mm. You know how much more dying you have to do by how much more love you have to grow up in. <laughs> Say, Lord, help me to love. Help me to love so that I can live the best life. Mm. Do you need, how many of you need to be more patient? They mean you got to die some more. How many of you can be more kind? That means you got to die some more. How many of you are still holding on to hurts and grudges? That means you got to die some more. 
How many of you find it hard to apologize? That means you got to die some more. Unless you die, you'll remain alone. This concludes another life-changing teaching from Hungry for God Church. For social media updates and more teachings from our pastors and leaders, please visit our site, h4gchurch.com.